Show, episode number 195. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me. Where are we at? Down here in my neck of the woods in <laughs> Las Vegas. It's a rarity that we get Cold Coffee to leave his humble abode at the Casa de Coffee and make his way down to my neck of the woods out so here. So far. It's so far and it's so dangerous out here. There's like <laughs> coyotes and wild animals and stagecoaches and... Okay, <laughs> just coaches. You've been playing too much Red too Dead. Too much Red Dead. <laughs> people, uh, people, if you listen to Cold Coffee's description of my house, you'd think I probably live on some ranch out in the middle of nowhere. But you might no. as well. Oh, Jesus. How close to the mountains are you? You're pretty close. I mean, you could look at some. There is a, like I mean, right they are there. pretty close. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very, very close. Myself. Well, we appreciate you coming down here, sir. <laughs> we, uh, my, my wife is working right now. We were just at the PI. We'll get to some of that, uh, what we were doing there at the USC Performance Institute. Uh, and so we were kind of close to my house, and my wife is actually working right now. And I'm, uh, I wouldn't really say I'm babysitting. My 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 son is here, and we've got some mm-hmm. some family in from out of town. So two of uh, two of our younger cousins are here, and then um, yeah, you can call it babysitting. Yeah, that's not really it's just called parenting. Just right? parenting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when it's somebody else's kids, it's kind of babysitting. That I guess. Well, that's true. Yeah, but I'm, we're not really babysitting. They're just their parents aren't here yet. Their parents are coming in town later this week. So. Uh, yeah, so, you know, as you do, as a responsible adult overseeing the health and safety and well-being <laughs> of three small children, you send them upstairs, you bring your boy over to knock out a podcast, and you break out a bottle of vodka. <clears throat> Good thing it's the, the second type. The first one was uh, not my favorite. Well, yes, uh, well... I mean, it was okay. I was, was, was going to give a shout out to Nimrod Vodka for well, providing I mean, us. I mean, you can with some fantastic vodka it, to fuel this like, this week's episode. Like I said, I, I I think perhaps my palate is is to use your phrasing not sophisticated enough, mm. but to, it's a, it's a unique pairing. The the first one that got me, uh, we had their regular vodka. Yeah, we have a, we had a honey pepper uh, and the honey pepper. The honey peppers, and and that was the one that we're going to have to find a recipe for it. Or something. I just I, I don't know. I didn't Maybe know what to expect. Maybe if I've already been drinking or something. I it it was a shock to the to the palate. It right. literally like I couldn't even control it. it. Just it was such a like I just my tongue was just like, what is that? You know? Because <laughs> you try to put it. It's one thing because you've had. I think everybody's had like honey whiskeys and honey different liquors right. and stuff. So I think when I hear the honey, regardless of what you said, the second word after honey, you were just expecting. You were sweet. expecting the sweet. You're expecting honey. And it's not that. It's not I mean, that. It, it's definitely something with the pepper in there adds a more robust something to it. So that's why I was thinking maybe we could find a, a dish or marinate some meat in it or <laughs> some chicken or something in it and and, and see I'm how sure it goes. I'm sure there's a mixer or something that would go with it that would taste nice. Yeah. But we just drank the honey pepper vodka straight, and it was a little bit – it was a little jarring. It's I'll a little jarring at first. But. Oh, but now we're over to the just traditional standard Nimrod vodka. Mm-hmm. Got a little uh, soda water with it, a little mm-hmm. lime and soda, and uh, – it's going down smooth. That's solid. Yeah, that's solid. So shout out to the uh, to the folks at Nemiroff Vodka, the official vodka of the UFC, looking out for the MMA Roadshow. They're getting into mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. and they said, you know what? If we're going to take care of the UFC, we might as well take care of the MMA Roadshow, too. <laughs> Sent over a couple bottles of, uh, of vodka. And yeah. It makes complain. sense to me. You know? Bold character since 1872. You know, they want to throw the UFC money. Hey, you could throw us money, too. You know, we could have a... Brand new set of headphones or something. Or <laughs> in the meantime, just keep the product coming. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about other options. Yeah. 
Nemiroff is a high-quality vodka brand that has been made. Wow, see, they're never going to use this. <laughs> that has been made in Ukraine for more than 150 years. That's the honey pepper getting you. It's available in more than 80 countries globally. Whoa, that's good. Nemiroff is ranked number three among all vodka brands in the duty-free category. Duty. Yeah, we're not getting the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, shout out to Nimrov for the first and only time that they'll ever send us vodka. <laughs> Thank you, Nimrov. That was good. I think it, it'll. It's the kind. Of, I think it would definitely grow on you. Like even now, knowing what it tastes like, I think the second time would be uh, better. But it's something. I think you have to kind of set gotta it be up. Ready for There's got to be. Yeah, you got to prepare for it. You know. And again, I think it's just so different than anything. But it's, it was good. I mean, you know, cold coffee. Nimrov is positioned as the indomitable spirit. Through adversity, challenge, and competition, the brand has earned more than 70 international awards and has been recognized for market leadership, quality, and great taste. Wow. Just something, just something I'm throwing out there. Just throwing it out there. I mean, it sounds like you did your research, you know. <laughs> the abdominable snowman. It, it, was the, uh, it was on the boilerplate of the press release. But still. Yeah. That, that's what we can do for you, Nemiroff. College <laughs> boy. We can stumble through some reads yeah, yeah. while we consume your product. And I, I will give I will give it a go and I will give it a go. That this one is solid. Oh, I yeah, like this one. But I think that I think anytime you have a product that when people think vodka, they think of the clear vodka, they think of that particular taste. And this is a good taste. Like I'm not a big vodka drinker, but I like that. I yeah. thought that was good. But looking at the other one, and for folks, if you finally and you see this, it looked like um, uh, like a reservado uh, like Reposado. tequila. Reposado. Reposado. Yeah, it's a, it's tequila. A, it's a colored spirit. It's not yeah. a, it's not a clear spirit. So like immediately, you know, you already start thinking of something. You have perceptions in your mind of what it maybe tastes and stuff. And I was not prepared, but now I know. I think after a break or two, we'll break it back out and see, how <laughs> see, if, see back, if it got better. Go back for a second visit after we got a few cocktails <laughs> in us. Well, I, oh, I guarantee it'll be better then. <laughs> should mention that we're uh, we're lucky to even have you. I mean. Uh, this is a this is a vacation for you, man. Staycation. Not, knocking out a little staycation this week. What's the uh, what's the staycation consisted of at the at the at the coffee residence? Uh, I recently, uh, well, me and uh, me and Age and H have been exchanged because we're really bad about like waiting till Christmas. We've already sort of exchanged gifts. All of your gifts from those parts. Hey. I have a, I have a few that I've hidden that she doesn't know, but they're just small little fun little gifts or whatever. Uh, luckily, I could probably tell the podcast, and she never listens to the podcast, <laughs> and she would never know. But uh, she got me an acoustic guitar. I want an acoustic guitar. Aww. So I've been playing a little guitar. Uh, I've played music uh, most of my life, but that's percussion, like drums and stuff like that. But I've been around instruments all my life. stuff. So, you know, I've, it's funny. I have a an uncle that is avid guitar player. And every time I go over to his house, he used to always make me sing for dinner. Or somebody'd pull out the karaoke machine. He'd make me sing for dinner, or he'd hand me a guitar or some instrument, and he'd be like, "All right, we're gonna jam. We're gonna play." I'm like, I have no idea what what I'm doing, but I have rhythm, so I could strum. But you don't know what to do with your <laughs> you left just don't hand. Don't know what you notes. Like, uh, carry your rhythm. I'm like, this sucks. But he he loved it, and so I've always loved. Uh, guitars and that sort of stuff so i've been uh playing that a little bit i'm sleeping a little bit i felt a little bit under the weather yesterday um but also yesterday i went up to junkie radio because they were having some issues uh with the encode so i went there tech support to studio do a little tech support and then today uh you know went up to uh the pi so for the most part uh, you know it's a so little you've been working the whole time sometimes some of it <laughs> but uh i have been resting a lot and it's actually been nice because i the fact that i did feel a bit under the weather yesterday it was nice to kind of 
I literally, after I got back to the house uh, from at the radio station in the morning, turned off, uh, I put the the phone on vibrate, and just laid on the couch, and I, I just sweated out. Like I, I slept for probably a good shoot six or seven hours, which for me that's a lot in yeah. in one setting. Hell yeah. So I felt real. I felt a lot better. I felt a lot in the middle better of the today. day. In the middle of the day, yeah. Good lord! I know. When I woke up, I was just kind of like, "Where am I?" You know. And the only reason I woke up then is because there was a utility guy knock on the door to get in the backyard to look at the uh, the utility pole. I've right. never had this happen. Like it, we've all had people like utilities will come and they'll check the power lines in the back. This these guys were actually coming to check the structure of the pole itself. They literally like drilled into the pole. I was like, what are they doing? And then I'm starting to think like, oh, they're spies. Is this going to collapse on me? No, I, was, oh. I was thinking like, they're spies. Oh. They're planting something in. They're, they're paying attention to somebody around here. You know, like they're they're into something, you know. But uh, that's where my head goes that's when hilarious. I see somebody. Because whoever sees somebody going out there and drilling into the like the pole that holds stuff. That's you so know? true. That's so, that's something like FBI stuff. Or it's something. some FBI shit. They would come as contractors for a company you know, looking in there, and they only we only need access to your to your thing, but they get in there. Sir, pay do, no attention. We're just doing some. We're just doing regular u- utility work outside. That you've never the, seen the done type before. of stuff that happens all the time <laughs> in every town across America, sir. Just have yeah. a nice day. Yeah. So or that's we'll you. kill you. Or <laughs> <laughs> Look at this light. Yeah. <laughs> Don't remember anything. Um, so that's about uh, that's about it. So that's the only reason I woke up yesterday. I probably would have slept, but I felt a lot better. Nice. You know, like when you start feeling under the weather and you kind of bundle up and you sweat and you get a good sweat on. Yeah, that's what happened when I slept. So I immediately felt better. So it's been a lot of sleep and uh, just recovering. So stuff. well, thanks for volunteering your time to keep the show going. Cause I know 195 you know. consecutive weeks, son. It, it be, we don't miss a beat. I, I can't let a staycation stop that. Can't let a staycation <laughs> run, especially when you, I, it's, it's free vodka is offered too. You might as well. Well, you know. Thank you, Nimarov. 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 Yeah, gotta get it right. It would help to say it right, huh? Nimarov. Sounds like a it'd be like Captain Nimarov on Star Trek. Or there something. you go. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we are both kind of recovering after Bellator Hawaii, which uh, just want to talk briefly on that. You know, we didn't have time to do an and a half episode, unfortunately. Hell uh, no. We was on the beach, y'all. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. We we had time to do one, but we basically <laughs> had one day to enjoy it. I mean, we, and it wasn't even a day. It we had We had a block of hours, really, yeah. because then you know, we had to get up. I had to get out of my damn room. Well, you had to get out of your right. room as well, but you got a, a little bit later, but... Getting up, getting out of that. So then it's not even like, oh, you could sleep in on the last right. day. And it's like, oh, shit. All right, we got to sleep in. got to pack. Yeah, by the time we got everything. done working, it was like, what, 4 or 5 in the morning. And we got like Something. 6 hours of sleep. And so uh, we could have squeezed one in. But I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I wanted to enjoy that beach. Yep. We finally got our feet in the water. Finally got the feet on the sand. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it was a beautiful scene all week long. I mean, we got to work in cool places. Yeah. You know, the Bellator basically did everything at the host hotel, which was the Hilton Hawaii uh, Waikiki. Which I hear they do a lot of uh, filming for like Magnum PI right. and some of that stuff around that area. I saw uh, uh, I did, I watched that show, so I like it a lot. There was a scene where they had a helicopter land recently or something. I was like, I swear it was the park. A right, it looked just like the park where I ate my acai before uh, the Saturday fight. Because I went over there in the morning, and I sat out there, and I sat there, and I looked at it in the show. I was like. Maybe this is where they film it. 
and and it was cool. Sure enough, it, sure enough, that's what it looked like. So it was a beautiful place. But it was. It was amazing. the last day before we could ever really get out and enjoy it. I would say, you know, what is kind of got weird. rained on a couple times. It did get rained on a couple times? First couple days. It definitely, you know, it definitely makes sense. You know, when when Dana always talks about how afraid he is to you to do Aloha Stadium because they would not be able to do Blaisdell. It's too small. Uh, they would want to do Aloha that place Stadium. Is tiny. It's really them. tiny. Like yeah. I mean, there wasn't even room for you guys to set up in in the, there wasn't like a press area yeah. base. I mean, you guys were literally set up in a tent outside. Now, it was a beautiful I mean, the weather was flawless. It was 75 yeah. degrees, so standing outside in a tent it was not like it was a bad thing, but it just goes yeah. to show you how little space there were. Yeah, and that tent wouldn't have worked for a typical UFC post fight if no. they had like the full media there. Uh at yeah, most, there was seating I think for there like, like 15 people or something. If that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't wasn't a big space, but uh, it was it was neat. But yeah, you're right. There's a reason why it's so lush and green because it gets a lot of rain and a lot of water. It does, it does. But I, I will say this, so I I really enjoyed the weekend, man. I really enjoyed the events, and I, I just want to give, I guess. Props to Bellator, man, for yeah. a having the balls to go out there. Uh, I'm sure the USO helped fund it. I'm sure that's why, you know. Yeah, but USO doesn't have a large amount of money. No, you know, they, I mean, they get a lot of the time is because it's volunteers. Like a lot of the USO oh. tours, um, I'm not sure if they get some government funding that helps, you know, subsidize that's what I some of the I mean, stuff. Because you remember the whole thing was but called I don't think it's Bellator a large portion. and USO present. Yeah. So I thought there was kind of like a because I'm not a, even sure because when it comes to like government cuts and stuff like that you know those are the sort of things that you know could be on the chopping block so i'm sure it's a small percentage but i think they probably take uh you know i would say maybe some donations or something i don't know i'd have to look in it and see but well trump's uh, such a big mma fan right he, yeah. yeah i mean maybe he just he just writes signed a up check like, yeah, here you go but a lot of times the artists that do those things uh they volunteer their time that to makes go sense. do those because it's good so. pr for them that oh you're yeah it's great i mean and who doesn't yeah want to go and just spend a little time with the troops go a feel-good tour, you know, and... Uh, but see, because I got the idea, and, you know, in talking with, with Scott Coker and some of the other people, it, it didn't seem to me like... Because I would think it would almost be worth taking a loss, you know what I mean? Like, if you're getting good publicity... I bet they did. You think they did? I bet they... Because uh, I got the impression that, like, they, they're not in a position where they can just lose money and be okay with it. Yeah, USO is a non-profit charitable corporation chartered by cor- Congress that relies on donations from individuals, organizations, and corporations. Hmm. So, I mean... A lot of it. I mean, a lot of performers. So they uh, probably, you know, try to get as much deals as they can on flights, or they either get flights donated for a lot of the stuff like that, or when they're on base, they fly on military um, flights, military aircrafts, and stuff like that. Between like, so if it's like if you're going to Afghanistan, if you're going to wherever, and you're an artist, you're flying on a military jet. So or you think a like, military plane. so you think like, oh, I was gonna say, so you think like. Garth Brooks hops on a on a fighter jet out here in LA. Well, not a fighter, or but it would probably be like a military transport. Well, he would probably fly to a, a location somewhere closer. Brooks, by the way, well, sure. he's a great artist. <laughs> he would probably fly somewhere close to the region, and then they would have a different military transport that would take him into uh, the hotspot area. Right. You know, uh, however, they kind of worked that out. You know, they would kind of probably keep that. I guess if they're going into like a war zone, they would probably not publicize right. openly how they're actually getting them in there. But I imagine if it's over there, they would probably fly them over somewhere over to Europe or somewhere. Oh, but like Hawaii, he would take like a commercial jet or something. Probably. Yeah, okay, okay. I thought yeah. you meant like that's how they No, no, no. But if that was going from base to base, like say if it was overseas, uh, they would probably be flying like a military center. Because the, the locations and things of where they would land in – you know, it's not like they have an airport style in a lot of the locations. It's a rugged, more rugged, and more of like what uh, 
the planes and the 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 instruments that the military uses to get into those areas right they would use those um but uh kudos to the uso and kudos to bellator but yeah i i I have a feeling that that event uh and it always sucks because you want it to be fully packed to the gills but i think sometimes there's always a a drop in communication when once within the military let alone on that base there were so many different um branches all around uh that particular area you know they have like every um organizations handle that there's right. coast guards there the marines are there the navy's there the air force is there the army's there um it's not like you go to one pr person you say here's a block of tickets you know we want right. everybody to come you know so i just feel like uh maybe the ball got dropped within on the military side of actually getting really really getting the troops to to, to show up I was, that was disappointing on friday night. i mean it was a great event it's great that bellator did it as you said and some of the video packages and stuff that they had yeah, were amazing there's one and, and i need to i need to remember and get it man there's a fighter uh, i don't even think you guys got to see this and i think it played during the broadcast so if you're watching you saw this but we need to put it up on mma junkie but there was a guy that um was a, a working a convoy and was captured. I believe he was a contractor. I don't even think he was necessarily uh, military, um, but he was captured. And then he saw like two of the people that he was with, like their head was chopped off, like right in front of him by mm-hmm. you know by, by by these terrorists. And then they were about to to, to kill him as well. And the Marines broke in and saved him and were able to save his life. And but this guy then started – he's since started, like, training martial arts, and, and maybe he was before or whatever. But bottom line, he's, he since started fighting, and Belts were actually gave him a contract. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like there were cool stories like that. You know, yeah. some of the other stories, the the, uh, the girl that was there that was working with the, the MVP program, I mean, yeah. her, her story was amazing, you know, about battling back. I mean, there was some really cool stuff. But, yeah, Friday night, there just weren't that many troops in attendance, and I, I think that was kind of a, a bummer. You know, it doesn't lessen – uh, the good of what Bellator was trying to do, but it did make for kind of a kind of a weird environment. But but Saturday was incredible, man. Saturday, the atmosphere was amazing. They kicked it off with locals, so the the crowd showed up early, man. Like as soon as the doors opened, people were pouring in, and they all had, you know, their uh, their, their t-shirts on for their different guy, you know. So you, you saw all the different people, the sections and pockets of of people that they were supporting on the card, and so the atmosphere was awesome, man. It was it was electric. The people definitely knew the sport, man. They were cheering at the right moments, um, and it, and it was really really cool. And there were some fun scraps, man. The Mackie Patolo fight uh, on the prelims was just bonkers man they were just uh, banging it out the whole time and then of course it wrapped up with Alima Lay McFarland and that her walk-in was just I mean on par with anything I've ever seen it was cool you know this factoring in all the elements you know of having the the indigenous people you know kind of walking in or whatever at least the indigenous style and you know this montage of her uh, childhood on the island growing up there and uh and she's good, man. She Alima Lay McFarland now number two in our MMA Junkie Women's Flyweight ranking. So, um, you know, I, I, that's the highest ranked Bellator fighter in, in any division, and um, I think she's legit, man. You know, number one is Valentina Shevchenko, and uh, Valentina is a beast. And and I don't know that I would pick Alima Lay against Valentina, but I don't know that I would pick anybody against Valentina right now at 125 pounds. Um, but anybody else at 125, dude, I think a, a Lima could go with anybody else in that division. She really surprised me. Like, uh, she was definitely uh, a good bit smaller than Valerie coming in there, and I thought Valerie was going to try to push the pace, you know, try to get in her face and uh, kind of use that size advantage, but it didn't slow 
Alina laid down at all. I mean, she actually brought it to her. Her striking was great. I've always known that she was really good on the ground, but she was just really, really slick. And she definitely she looked good on the feet. She looked great she on her feet. It. I mean, she was feeling it. And she definitely went in there with the, the mindset like she was not going to lose in front of uh, her, her home crowd. And uh, she's been a favorite of ours for a while. I mean, I know you've had great times with her, uh, you know, when she's been, you know. <laughs> when visiting. she's out of camp, she will sit back and have camp. a frosty beverage with you. That's yeah. for sure. Shout so, out to Ballast Point. We had a good time there. Yeah, that was uh, just, an, uh, just an amazing fight. That that uh, was uh, – it was a piece of work, man. She looked – so good at that and that finishing move i swear the way she had her arm i was watching i was like man she might break her arm because it was in such a precarious position and the way she was pulling on it i was like man her body was kind of blocking and dropping elbows and and dropping elbows (laughs) and the elbows were vicious it wasn't like oh hey i'm just gonna give you this nagging thing so hopefully that you're going to you know try to defend like she was literally trying to bust her head open i mean like they, they were vicious and uh, man, what a performance! But I mean, Valor, I got to give her credit. I mean, she she muscled that out. She tried to she tried to to hold on, but man, she was in a bad position there. And if eventually she didn't tap, I thought she was going to lose that arm. I mean, yeah. I thought it was going to break. She was frustrated, no question about yeah. it. But it was cool, man. I, I they were great all week. It's man, it's they were weird. good representatives of the sport for sure. Oh, it was fun no watching doubt. those two uh, be able to have a good time. And you know, you kind of forget when you have. Uh, Two athletes that just want to go out there and perform and put on a good show, and both of them enjoyed being in Hawaii, and both of them want to put on a good show, and they both went out there and gave it. And in turn, you could see the look on her face. She was very let down. It yeah. wasn't. She wasn't just like you know. Oh well. Oh well. You know, yeah. like she took it to heart. She really put in a lot of work. You know, and I thought you know when we saw her at open workouts, uh, I thought it was probably the best looking that we had seen her. A lot of times, oh. and other times, she's always very. Sunken in and, and looked very depleted, and she looked really, really good. Uh, so I was very happy to see her kind of get in there and get a chance to do it. But uh, Alima Le, man, wow, it's great. I tell you what, man, I, but Val's I, on another Val's on another level still. Val yeah. is right now, I think, pound for pound, is the baddest chick. I mean, Amanda Nunes is right there behind her. Yeah. Uh, but I think Val is probably the baddest, the baddest one. Right I don't know now. if I pick anybody against Shachinko right now. I just, right. I just don't. She's legit. I, the last thing I was gonna say about Bellator real quick, and is is just that I, there was a time I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know if I liked their presentation in terms of the almost WWE esque walk in with the with the board, you know, the big video board. Maybe it's just because we've been to more events and I'm used to it now. It's not, it's not jarring to me anymore. I gotta say. I think I like their walk-ins better than I like the UFC, man. I agree. You know, I, I mean, there's an occasional UFC one that's decent. Um, but even that, like, some of my favorites are like – decent about well, That's it. what I was going to say. For, for me, like, some of my favorites would be like, you know, Anderson Silva, they, they black out the whole arena and you just get that boom, 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 you know. And then it's who turned out the lights and the lights come on, you know, and it's like – but even then, at that point, like that's all it is. It's it's a, it. it's a couple lights and a They're sound, like, and then it's bro, bring down the lights. Yeah, <laughs> cue the music. Bring out the lights. <laughs> that's it. You're that's right. It. I mean, that's the production. I mean, I guess uh, <laughs> that that you're right, man. That's it. I mean, with that it, same it, voice, bro. Most of those. <laughs> that's how it sounds over the headphones. Bring down the lights. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, like, uh, I mean. You know, like, dude, they're walkouts. There's people's music yeah. that you like, like, like I love, like, uh, like Max Holloway when he comes in, it's the yeah. Hawaiian kickboxer song. You know, kind of like the way uh, B.J. Penn used to come into what do they call it, 68 Hawaii or whatever. You know, yeah. like, 
iconic songs right. sound good because UFC has like top of the arts, you know, sound systems, and they're yeah. in the modern arenas. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're just talking about music, basically. Like that's it. The walkways in the back usually look like shit. Like half the time yeah. they're walking by like employee dining areas and or, stuff yeah, as the, they walk through the bowels of the arena. It. You know. But you're right. I mean, there is something about being in an arena when you hear that music over the sound system. The, the Grateful Dead, when they used to tour, they had the big wall of sound, and it was like this amazing huge wall of sound that people wouldn't forget because right. it was so such an impressive sight and such an impressive sound. That's what, you know, when I watch a UFC fight now, anytime I go in an arena, I want that level yeah, of yeah. sound yep. because it's it's in and out of your ears and it sounds so good. But let's be, let's be real. You're right. We're making reasons for why we like the UFC walkouts and it's used because oh that song's great like that's it. we like Tyson Petter because we fucking think that sexual song he's dancing. Yeah, is the hilarious sexual is and hilarious. that song is great but like we just like it because of the song it's not anything and it's that particular person making uh an appearance I mean, he's making right. it whatever it is the right. UFC's not doing shit about yeah. what that's it is it. for that entrance. Like, like if you've got a guy that uh, – like I remember John Jones. I think it might have been in Toronto actually. Like Maybe it was against Machida. Fuck, I don't remember who he's fighting. But I remember like he came in like he kind of stopped. You know, like they'll have guys that like they'll get in the arena and they'll yeah. kind of stop and, you know, like maybe they hold their hand. But but that's all them. That's, that's all the that athlete. It's yeah. not it's not the presentation. So I used to feel like the Bellator presentation was too like pro wrestling-y for me. Yeah. But now that I think it's not as jarring as it once was – it's, be- it's I, better. It's I, better. I, I find it more. It's better. I find it more entertaining when it come out. Like, even with the Alimale, like the whole scene, like it was very, very hard to see because, of course, it was since it was the final one, everybody stood up. Yeah. But you know, when you could see the guys up there, you know, with the the poles, you know, smashing yeah. onto the ground and getting pumped up, and it was just like. Wow, this is powerful. This is a spectacle. I was getting chills, man. Yeah. I'm, not even, I'm from Texas, dude. Yeah. I ain't got nothing to do with Hawaii. And I and, was like, and that's it. We this want is a spectacle. Cool, I mean, a walkout is, a, is supposed to be a spectacle. Yep. A spectacle. Yep. Listening to a, mu- a song loud is not a spectacle. It's not. At all, you know. So, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, think, now it comes to the price. Let's, now, you all say this. And I, and I guarantee you this has a hell of a lot to do with yeah. it. Bellator has to block off probably – 25% of the arena to have that back presentation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guarantee you more than even like creative control, it's just because USC doesn't want to give up that ticket space. But they don't yeah. sell out every arena. And they, they certainly don't sell them at ticket face value. No. I mean, like, I mean, those floor seats, and we all know, and most of you guys probably, those floor seats towards the back suck. You're, you're paying yeah. an arm and a leg, and you're. If you're not in the first, if you're not in the first couple rows of the floor, don't, don't waste be on your the money floor. on the floor. Don't be on the floor. You can't see anything. You're wasting your fucking money. But you're right. That is a lot of real estate. But when it becomes part of the show and it's such a, a part that people are anticipating, mm-hmm. I think it, you got to weigh the pros and cons. You know, if you want to have that spectacular scene of somebody coming up, all right, maybe maybe cut your bottom end a little bit and give them the show, you know, and maybe just cut some of those seats out. I mean, yeah. it's, it, I can definitely see why they wouldn't want to because those are the highest priced ones. But uh, at least just do something. I mean, something more at the video screen or something. It was a uh, those walkouts were incredible. And I know we talked a little bit about Alima Lay's walkout and stuff, and we had differed a little bit in you know certain aspects that we liked or that I didn't find as appropriate as others. But can I talk about how I I, I did geek out while sitting in my seats watching uh, that day? Because we talked about Hawaii, uh, uh, Hawaii, and we talked about Magna PI and stuff. <laughs> But the Magnum PI cast was all right in front of us, sitting right in front of us. And first, I noticed like uh, 
I forget what his character's name is, but he's sitting off to the right. I was like, oh, shit, that's that dude from Magnum P.I. He's the buddy, the white buddy that just, uh, just, uh, I forget what he does on the island in the show. He's like a fixer or whatever. Um, And then there's TC, the pilot. Uh, and then there's Higgins, and then there's the main Magnum. But at first, it was just the one white dude. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, I looked to his left, and I saw this blonde. And I was like, oh, shit, that's Higgins. I was like, oh, shit, there's two cast members here. I was like, I wonder if the Magnum dude is going to come. Not even realize that right in front of me was, uh, I think his name's Jay Hernandez. He's uh, the the Magnum. I was like, oh, shit, Magnum's there. And part of me was like, I wanted to be like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying the fights, you know, because there is me to, you know, you don't want to seem like a fanboy, but I kind of had a fanboy moment and eventually TC came, but they literally had the whole cast That's in so front funny. of us and dude, they were into it. Like they were into it the whole time. So I give them, I give them kudos that, uh, they didn't come just to be seen. I had no idea who they were because I don't watch it, but I yeah. will say this. I, I just thought they were regular fans because they were watching the they fights. Were totally they were totally like, into the fights. Yeah. And so I, I give them kudos for that. Like, they were into it. I mean, I know in part of the show, you know, they have fight scenes and stuff like that, but I think they realize the reality of what some real MMA fighters right. and then the stuff they do, but they appreciated it. And I, I, I was giving them kudos because I wow. was like, man, they're into that it. So straight up dorky. I know, but it was awesome. I was like, Higgins, she's so cute in person. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't bother them. I let them do their thing. I, I tried to hold it together as a media member. Fanboying out over Magna PI. Not even real Magna PI. Like, well, not the original. Right. I would pro- I would fanboy out if I saw Tom Sugg, but yeah. he's done a lot of good shit exactly. outside of Magna PI, too. I could, you know, whatever. <laughs> you wouldn't fanboy out over Tom Selleck? Yeah, that's why I'd be more fanboy out over oh, Tom yeah, Selleck. Sure. That's legit, you know? But, but like, new guys that I don't even know who they are? I don't know. I don't watch much TV anymore. I'm well, if you lie. watched it, you would then know who they were, oh. and then you'd be like, okay, this is really cool that they're here. So, But I thought that was cool that uh, that they uh, were there and uh, watching it and stuff. So that's my fun geeky moment, <laughs> my geek out moment. <laughs> I, I always kind of geek out when I see Anthony Kiedis, even though I see him all the time. Yeah, well, he's he's another one. He's yeah. a huge super fan, man. Yeah, he he goes, loves. I love, it. I love it. He goes out for the first fight, dude. I love it. Like star that does a show for the main car. He goes out yep. for the first fight of the prelims. You know who's kind of replaced that now as the super fan who's lately? That? that I think Pratt. Yeah, that's true. Chris Pratt has became yeah. the late the latest super fan, and everybody loves him. Like he's got a great sense of humor, right? And uh, his Instagram and stuff's really funny. But that dude is into the fights, yeah. and he's another one that goes out there pretty early. Yeah, he gets busted for like his crazy reactions and stuff to fights. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's because he's got great seats. It'd be like if you made faces during fights, people would see you in the background. Yeah, he's happens. literally <laughs> right there, and I, you feel bad for them because you know there's a, a photog on the other side. That is true. Just keying in, that waiting for that, knowing that that's the money shot that's true know? if he was literally on the side where we sit there's not photographers there's no photos in that way so that's pretty funny <laughs> all right well that's enough about Bellator. look we uh this is a crazy week man there's no major mma this week there is uh some stuff on uh, on fight pass uh titan fc 51 and island fights 51 actually are both on friday island uh, fights man are they in jamaica <laughs> <laughs> they're in florida but ah. i like your tagline better <laughs> island fights man <laughs> I like your tagline better. You just instantly made them better. Yeah, see? That could be a sponsor. There you go. 
<laughs> I can say that, but not Nimara. We'll do all your advertising <laughs> on it, fights. Just hit us up. But no major yeah, MMA. <laughs> we did get to start looking forward to UFC 232. As you said, we were at the UFC PI today, and we got a chance to talk to Alexander Gustafson. And I figure, without further ado, we'll just play that. There was uh, there was a scrum, but uh, there was, uh, as usual, me rambling a lot in there. And then uh, uh, our man Kevin Ioli was in there, Adam Hill, uh, a couple others in there as well. So, um, yeah, let's listen to Alexander Gustafson, and then we'll uh, – We'll, get, we'll uh, tell you our impressions once you have yours as well. Well, let's let know just, you know, kind of a, a week out at this point. You know, what's what's the emotion like? You know, pay-per-view, main event, big blockbuster fight. What's uh, what's the feeling like right now? Living the dream. <laughs> Living the dream right now. It's, it's great to be here. It's back in Vegas. And and this fight is just amazing. It's uh, everything I want. Everything I want. So I'm feeling great. I know it's exciting for everybody. What's what's the most exciting part for you, though? Is it the fact that you know there's a UFC title on the line, which you've wanted, or is it the rematch with John Jones that you've always wanted? What's the more intriguing aspect of it for you? Well, if, if you know a little bit of both, of course, but if I have to choose one, it, it's a, it's the rematch right there. It's again my fight fighting John Jones again, and, uh, and it's been five years since since we fought, and it's just a fight I've been wanting for a long time and dreaming about and training for. All this time I've been training and competing for just this fight, so this is it. So when you say training, I mean, were you specifically, like, when you're having sessions, are you like, I'm thinking yeah, about we're preparing him. for this guy, but we're getting I'm preparing, for, for every session I prepare for him. That's the best guy out there, and, and that's the guy I'm beating. So I was going to ask, like, how much over these five years, I know you've always said, I want the rematch at some point, but, like, every day did you think about this rematch over the last five years? Not maybe every day, but but uh, you know it's it's uh, I, I can't want want more than than this. This is just it's a dream fight. And when I'm saying that, I mean like that's the thing that's been pushing me the most. I want to have the best, the biggest fights, fighting the best guys out there. And this is the this is just the highlight. This is it. Did you ever let yourself kind of play like what if? I mean, that was such a close fight. You know, what if one point had gone the other way and you walked away? Did you think about what alternate reality would be like if you if you had won that night? I've been thinking about it, of course, uh, multiple times. But uh, right now we have a new fight coming up here, and you know, hit the history is just it's just the past, nothing else. And this is it. So, so you know, I'm, I'm here. To, I'm here to beat the, the guy that's never been beating, beat to get the best guy out there. So, so I'm I'm motivated. I'm I'm, I'm on fire right now. I'm feeling great. I've never been this uh, in this good shape of my life. So I'm feeling great. How many times have you watched that fight? Uh, I don't even. I don't know. Too many times. What can you take from him? It was a long time ago, but are there things you learned in that 25 minutes that will matter? Of course, that was fight? my first 25-minute <clears throat> fight, my first five-rounder, and it was the best guy out there. So, yeah, I learned a lot from that fight. It was even if I lost that fight, it was still it's still a highlight in my career and something I remember for my life. So, Alex, when you look at it, though, you know John has had a couple suspensions. You've had a couple losses. So what effect does the five years and all the you know the things that have happened in the interim have on the way this fight will go down? <clears throat> you know, it's it's hard to say. It's uh, I, I don't I don't think it will affect it at all. I, I'm, I'm I'm preparing for the best John out there. I'm preparing for a better John this time than last time. So I just I just. I just want to fight the best, the best. No excuses after this fight. No excuses at all. It doesn't matter what he's been doing or what I've been doing. It doesn't matter now. It's just, it's all about the 29th. Sometimes fighters embrace after fight and talk. Did John say anything to you that led you to believe he thought you won that last fight? <clears throat> well, yeah, maybe one, once or twice. Maybe I heard something that, you know. Like like he said too, it's 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 uh, and I'm saying it too. It's it's the best fight 
in the light heavyweight division in, in the UFC ever. So, so we did something good. We did something right in that fight, and I can promise you that this fight will be even better. It will even be better. I'm preparing for ten rounds, and I will push him from round one to, to the to the end of it. And what is your take on the fact that he says he didn't train him, and if he did not train, that was a remarkable performance to do what he did uh, against a guy of your caliber. But do you f feel like that's just him trying to make? up for himself not maybe looking good in the fight or not looking like the way he expected him to hundred percent it's just excuses this guy's trains harder than ever he's been saying all those things like i was drunk i didn't train blah blah i can imagine right now how does it feel like to, to hear things like that just give me a smile on my, just a smile on my face nothing else it's just me i know he's just making up these things just to to create goals in my head or whatever i don't know excuses to to excuse his performance i have no clue but but, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. I know this guy is the best guy out there because he's training so hard. He's, he's dedicated and he's the best guy out there. So it's impossible not f for him not to train and perform like that. He has to be training and I know he's training. So. Alex, at the last fight, there was a lot of blowback from the fans the way the UFC portrayed or promoted the fight, saying, oh, this, you know, you're tall and using your height as the fact that it was going to be a thing. And people scoffed at that. But it turned out that your height actually gave him problems. Your length and, and your height gave him problems. What impact does that size have? And do you think it's always going to be one of those things because, you know, you match up with him a way nobody else does? Absolutely. I mean, I'm his kryptonite. He doesn't like to fight me. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing something that he, he can't really handle. This, the, that's what makes it s such a good fight. What does your height do that, like, say, DC, you know, DC shorter doesn't have that DC is not able to do in a fight? Like, when, what does your height do for you against him that other guys can't do? Well, I got a better reach. I move. I'm, I'm the fastest guy in the light heavyweight division. I had the best footwork. So, and he doesn't match with that. What do you think about John personally? It sounds like you've got a lot of respect for him. I mean, you're saying good things that he's the best, the best ever, but he's had all these problems and all these issues over the years. What do you, what do you think about him as a person, as a, as a representative of the sport? Well, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that because we all role models here. <clears throat> uh, we have to present the sport very good and, and even the organization, the UFC. So, well, no, I'm not a fan at all, uh, but we're not here to be friends or whatever. We're here to compete. and. And uh, when, I, when I'm saying he's the best, it's because I really believe he's the best. And this is, that's why this fight motivates me so much. This is the best fight. I, I, I wanted this fight from, from the start, so it can't be bigger than this. Should his career have an asterisk next to it, though? I mean, with these drug allegations that have come up multiple times now, I mean, do you look at what he's accomplished with a little bit of a, yeah, but, you know, he tested positive? Well, you know, it, it's it's up to it's it's up to him whatever he what he chooses to do and, and not to do. At the end of the day, it all comes down to who wants it more. And and and, and I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy for I'm, I'm the John era is over. The John era is over. I'm here to take over that, and I'm here to take the belt and and beat and beat him once and for all. What do you think about him talking about DC over the last couple of days? He's saying you know challenge with DC. It sounds like he's already looking past you talking about having a, a fight with DC. I just have to wake him up. <laughs> and I will. A lot of people criticize this fight saying that he shouldn't be the one fighting for the title. Uh, do you think somebody else uh, deserves better like being in this fight with you? No. No, I think he deserves the title. Alex, should you beat John? Obviously Daniel was the lightweight champion before that and he beat you. Is that the, the fight that you would want next? 
I don't want to do a John Jones here. I don't want to look past anyone. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but yeah, let's see what happens. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, when I take that belt, it will be a new experience for me. You know, I've been in, I've been in this position before, uh, and and I lost. I, I know that feeling. I experienced that before. I, I never, I never been a world champion before, so I don't know what, what, what the next step will be. But we're looking for that big fights. You know, and and I want to avenge my losses too. I got a loss to DC too, so let's see what happens. What hurt you more? What hurt you more? Getting knocked out like you did by Rumble, where it was like one huge punch and you go down, or losing a fight to John, where there's some people that still think you won that fight. Like, which one was tougher for you to deal with? Losing to John for sure. Losing to John, it's it's everybody can get hit, and and and. Anthony is a, is a big hitter. He's, you know, he's, all it takes is just one punch. Uh, but yeah, losing on, on very small marginal, like, like I lost to John and to DC, it hurts more. And when you said you watched the fight a number of times, have you ever scored any differently? Like when you watch it, you ever said, well, maybe I can see why they gave it to John? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can. It, it, was, a, it was a close fight, and, and he's such a dominant champion, he's been, the, been it for, for many years, so yeah. I accepted it now, and it's all good. I learned a lot from that fight. How, how do you do uh, this time, though, to not leave it to the judge? You know? Um, no, yeah, yeah. If I see that opportunity, I'll take it, and I'll give everything I have. I don't trust the judges at all. Are you afraid that if you go to decision, you know? No, not at all. I'm going to push him for, for five rounds. I'm going to make sure. If I beat him on points, I'm going to make sure I win every round. That's how I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to take every round from him. I'm not going to give him an inch. If you give that guy an inch, he grows. You guys, I remember that night, you guys both went to the hospital that night. Did you guys, did you guys interact much? I don't remember. Did you guys interact at all? Did you cross paths that evening after the fight? Yeah, yeah, we saw each other. We talked a little bit, had a good laugh, and that was it. Did he offer you respect? Did he, I mean? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. So at that time, he wasn't making excuses? He was no, a, not at all, no. He didn't say, oh, I didn't train for you, bro? No, I didn't. <laughs> He's never said that in my face. How difficult is it when you're, you're in your prime, but you've had a lot of inactivity because of injuries and so forth. How does that affect you and, and affect your training? Uh, it's been, it's been uh, tough from time to time, but uh, I think this, this layoff I had now for one and a half years has just been good for me. I've just been, been training my ass off. I, I'm a much better fighter today than I, than, than I was when I fought Glover, and, and I just feel great. And, like I said before in other interviews, if people wanted this fight, I want this fight. If this fight should happen, it should happen now because I'm, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be this ready that I am right now. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so motivated, and I just feel my skill set are there, my conditioning, my strength, everything is just there. So the fight is happening now. Everybody talks about John and DC is is two of the best to ever do it, and you give them hellacious fights. I mean, if you win this, do people need to start talking about you in that discussion. Of course, of course. I'm here to take over. I'm I'm, I'm here to take John's John's place in 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 in, in the rankings in, in the history of the sport. I'm here. I want I want what he has. I want people talking about me as they're talking about him. That's why I'm doing this. We saw that you're a bad matchup. You said you're you're a kryptonite. You're a bad matchup for him. Why do you think he took this fight? Well, I think he feels pressure. I think he feel he he, he feels that he needs to. To show everybody that that he didn't lose that fight, so I think you know he feels pressure, and, and uh, it's a challenge. This guy he likes challenges too.
do you think he's thought about the fight a lot too, and how how close it was to him, you know, suffering a loss and everything else? Do you think he's kind of gone over that in his head? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Gus, is there anything you know? John has never lost. DC's only lost to John. When you look at them, is there anything that you can take from them that helped them be so consistent that maybe you learned by looking at them that you've applied to your training and that will be in your game this time around? Well, we all different, different individuals with different strengths and weaknesses. But overall, they they they're they're competitors, and and they have they have to be a, a competitor on that level. You need to have a you need to have have that. Uh, you have to put that time in training. You have to be ready mentally. It's a, it's a lot of factors that has to be put in places, and I think that's what they they've been mastering very well. And 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 I've been learning a lot just watching them, fighting them, and you know I'm I'm, I'm 31 years old and I, I feel that I just I just started this. I feel like uh, I got so much I got I got so much motivation and, and and to show everybody that that. It wasn't the best me out there when I fought them. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for John back in 2013 or DC 2015. I'm, this is now. It's my time now, and I'm ready. I'm more than ready, and I will show everybody in the 29th. How much have you thought about with John going through everything that you might not get this opportunity to avenge the loss? Did it ever go through your mind that you may never get to fight John again? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I had, uh, absolutely. Uh, but you know, it's. He's too good of a fighter not to not to fight again. So it was just a matter of time. Did you think when everything was going on? Do you, let me ask you this: Do you think he's a cheater, or do you think he's just unknowingly doing things that messing up his career, or is he just a liar? Because it just seems like there's so many things about John that have negatively affected his career. But is he a cheater? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me if he's a cheater or not. He, he can cheat the 29th. I don't care. Doesn't matter if he if he takes his steroids or if he does he, does he his, his 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 alcohol or his narcotic. I, I don't I don't care. I'm gonna go in there. I know what I've been doing. I know I'm prepared for it. And me and my whole team are making sure that I'm ready for war. And I'm gonna win that 29th and and take everything from him. How difficult is it for you fighting over the holidays? Just the fact that you know you have a new family and everything is it made it tougher for you, or do you feel like you get it over with and now you'll be able to have your holiday after? Uh, yeah, it's it's tough to be it's, it's tough to be be away from home, but but at the same time it motivates me. You know, you don't get anything for free. It's all about sacrifices, and I'm here to I'm here to I'm here to to win. Nothing else. How old is your your are your children? I got two children. One is one and a half, and one is three three months. So they they maybe don't really know about Christmas too much. No, no, not really, not really. So so it's all good still, but it would it wouldn't matter if they were ten or if it, one and a half, you know. Anything else? Cool. All right. Thank you guys. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. That was Alexander Gustin, and I gotta say, Cole Coffee. Uh, dude, we're talking about a man that's fighting John Jones, and John Jones is to me probably the best to ever do it. Now, I always I, I used to rank Demetrius Johnson number one pound for pound, but that was just because he had the wins. John Jones, just with all the time off, didn't have all the wins, so I still think he's probably the best to ever do it. So this is this is 
I mean, this is a, an uphill challenge, no question about it. But I got to say, man, all the years we've been covering Alex and all the time we spent around him, I felt like he was more dialed in, focused, intense, uh, intense for a very calm Swedish guy. But <laughs> for a very soft spoken, <laughs> yeah, for a very soft spoken, calm Swedish guy. But just the things he was saying, yeah, and the, and and the physical demeanor he had, um, man, he impressed me today. Yeah, he was very very into it. But you could only take that so much. I mean, he w- he was very very confident. But the, I think the biggest part too in the confidence is that. He's been in there. He he's seen it and he's done it. You know that's got to be at least the biggest thing when you know when you. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people going into that fight, they all have self belief. You know, and they ha- they have the confidence. But until you know what that other person and let alone a John Jones, that's true. Then you're just you're just talking. You know, you're just talking. But he has the confidence of a guy that has no questions about what's going to actually take place in there. You know, and I loved how he was like, you know, you start talking about DC, what he's like, you know, I'm, I'm focused on John Jones, you know, just like Jones wants to maybe focus on him. I'm, I'm going to make him pay for that. You right. know, that's that's his deal. Um, but we also see, I mean, like he, nobody has done the damage to Jones that we saw Gus do to him. True. He pounded Jones. Yep. Jones looked much worse than Alex Bad. did after I mean, it's that. Funny, fight. all those post-fight pictures. He's got oh, the, yeah. the the, the band aid stuck. He to was him. like on the, like the hospital bed, and like yeah. Alex is bending over. You know, like it, it was just so weird. You know, but you're right. He was super confident. You know, it's just funny I, when you see a lot of these guys that are so. Um, Soft-spoken, like you said, but, you know, sometimes it's a stretch when they're trying to talk like shit or talk whatever. So he wasn't doing that, so I I didn't feel like it it was a stretch because he was talking – he was just talking confidently about what he wanted to do and, you know, and his confidence. I didn't feel like, hey, I got to go out there and talk trash to sell this fight or anything. You know, I'm just going to go out there, do what I need to do, and and get the job done, you know, and it was – kudos on him and he looked good i mean like he he's we saw some of the people that he's brought in to kind of train with him you know Our buddy luke barnott was yeah. there and uh, luke was looking good you know and had good things to say about him you know i mean jones is such a, a hard body type and let alone uh to try to find somebody to come in and replicate and you can't replicate what jones the does creativity. I mean, yeah the creativity I mean, the fluidity that's the thing like you know when jones was being able to he has been able to do what he has done you know with like what he said with just god-given talent you yeah. know just natural talent without really even pushing it and that's what's so f- just freakish and it's just a shame that we didn't get to see jones work all the way through this whole time fighting actively because it would be oh, amazing to see accomplished man It'd be amazing to see of where he would be and that's what's crazy is that he can still now go and just do amazing things and can yeah, still be old, right? perceived mean, as as one of the greatest martial arts or the greatest you know mixed martial artist uh you know to ever come and that's just kind of crazy because he's got that such physicality. But it, it would just, man, I wish it, we could have been seeing it this whole way through. Just, I just feel like all this trouble that he's got himself in has diminished and maybe has lessened his time yeah. that he could have been working on these During things, you know. And, and which is crazy because he is still in yeah, his I mean, prime, but he but, he, but but he lost say, some of his yeah, prime. Yeah, I mean, if, if we end up seeing thirty-eight-year-old, forty-year-old John Jones picking up wins versus what we could have seen twenty-nine-year-old, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that would have been. Yeah. Because he's getting like what around the thirty-ish range, thirty. That's when you get like the man strength. Yeah. You get like a freakish strength that for some reason shouldn't happen, but something happens to 
you young men, if you haven't hit 30 yet, and for us that are in our 40s, it's gone, fellas. Sorry. Yes, it's gone. <laughs> Old man's but in that, is th- gone. But in that 30 range, man, yeah, eventually when you get a little bit older, you get the old, old man strength, you know, like when you're like 50, <laughs> 60. And then you still, but no, they still find a way to just whip up on some young right. ass, dude. Uh, that's the old, old man strength. We're not quite there yet, but uh, it's just, I don't know. It's a shame to see, you know, what he could have been. Um, but what's crazy to think that this guy can step away literally for chunks of time and still come back and still be at the top of the game, yeah. you know, is just such an unbelievable story, shows you, you know, he is, man. just shows how talented he is. I mean, it, but you're right. The creativity, you can't, you can't, uh, you, yes, you can teach it, but that's just naturally given he has a, a yeah. creative brain to find those moments. Uh, Izzy is another person that uh, does some amazing stuff yeah. like that. You know, we see glimpses of it all throughout the sport. You know, even Yair, the elbow at the very sure. end. It's just a moment of brilliance, you know. Yeah. But w- what Jones is able to do sometimes, he's able to string a series of them together in one particular fight that just leaves you shaking your head like, how did he even work that out in his head? That's high-level chess that he's able to play out so far in advance with what he knows his body can do. Yep. And then and when he reads his opponents uh, so very well that he uh, – it's you can't – you can't teach that. Nope. It just, it's either there it is. It's either there. He's got a killer instinct in him. He has an incredible gift, and it's just it's just a shame we haven't seen him actually through. But what's crazy is that we could still be seeing him 10 years from now. And he could still, still be accomplishing these things. And he could still it's be nuts. doing amazing things. I'll give a shout-out to Anthony Walker from Sherdog, who was the one, if you didn't recognize the voice, that put uh, that kind of put Alexander on the, on the spot and just said, listen, is he a cheater? Like, is John Jones a yeah. cheater? And, uh, you know, Alex – paused and, and was thinking that and, and I think you know bottom line is he didn't want to give some ridiculous quote I mean you know I mean that's you know, it. That's I mean a, it was almost like fishing it's almost fishing for like a uh, that, that yeah, clickbaity yeah, exactly. quote or whatever. you know we're looking for that quote and, and in that quote you know depending on what he had said or how he had said it it would have been every single headline um, but it's a t- to, I'll be honest with you man it's a tough one for me to even answer because you know I don't know I, mean, I honestly in my head don't think that John Jones is a cheater but Twice, man. Twice you've run into issues. It's 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 hard to defend that, you know. So when people say, you know, when Daniel Cormier says, "Bro, it's in your system, so therefore you cheated, whether you did it or not. Yeah. It was there, so you had to have gotten some benefit from it or whatever. You know, it was there. Bottom line is, it, it was illegal. And I don't feel like he's a cheater, but at the same time, it is hard to deny that. So. Uh, I do feel like this is – I don't want to say a last chance because he, he is young and who knows what he could still accomplish. And he is a superstar. I but feel like he can walk away for two years, <laughs> can you two more Dude, years and he come back. Get a four-year ban. He could get a four-year ban and still come back and keep fighting. Which, that would be a death sentence for most, for most, most fighters. Guys, yeah, but, and I don't want to say – and I'm not saying that that should happen, but – but here's the thing. So I, I bring that up because, you know, John Jones, you know, the California State Athletic Commission said, hey, we, we think you should do VADA as well. And he and his team have basically decided, nah, we're good on that. We're not doing VADA. Yeah. And I got to say, I can't blame him for that, man. I mean, I, you know, you're already doing USADA testing. I right. get what they're saying. Hey, we'd like for you to take an enhanced level with, with another company. Um, but I got to say, man, I – I, I, I don't blame John Jones for doing that. I mean, their their thing was, hey, don't you want to show the world you're clean? Don't you want to show the world you're clean? If so, you should do this. 
and and that's true. And and I heard uh, I was actually listening to uh, Sirius XM the other day while I was driving in the car, and Misha Tate was on there with Ryan McKinnell, and Misha was saying, um, you know, I I think this you should view this as an opportunity to prove to the world that hey, that reputation I have is wrong. You should do that. And I do think that's a very nice way of looking at it. But I don't know, man. You're you're putting everything on the line again, and you're putting it in somebody else's hands, in somebody else's hands that isn't really a part of the sport on a routine basis. I don't think I blame John Jones for saying, nah, I think I'd probably tell him the same thing. Don't do it. Yeah, why not? And, I mean, do we even know? I mean, for the most part, I mean, I would imagine that a lot of these testing organizations are probably using some of the same facilities to do the testing. Absolutely. They're using the same uh, the labs. Yeah, yeah, so it's like – Okay, you want me to jump through hoops that are already getting tested at the same place? That's you know, it. it just, I don't know. Just to throw one more variable in the equation that what if somebody screws yeah. up, you know? And if that's the one that the organization is using, I mean, and that's the one the commission goes behind, it, if it's not mandated, I appreciate it. It's like telling me, you know, don't go out there and speed. Okay, well, thank you very much. I, re- I appreciate that you tell me I shouldn't speed, but, you know, I'm allowed to. Yep. When no one's around. <laughs> but I don't know. That's a bad analogy. But whatever. Fuck it. I mean, like, I you saw them. I wouldn't do it, man. There's there's too much at stake, man. Your yeah. career's at stake. And I get it. If you're not cheating. If something came out differently, then you'd have to start looking at the two That's organizations yeah. and be like, you know, why, why you is your why you is your testing? Instead of looking and say, oh, okay, obviously something was in the system because Vada found something, but USADA didn't. How about instead you look at the two fucking things that can't get shit straight right and if there is a question as to why two organizations can't get it straight then maybe look at them stop looking at the athletes trying to you know post blame you know if if, you know address the problem with the testing facilities you know i mean it's just weird when you hear about you know oh he passed this testing but he failed this testing you know well Maybe don't certify the, the, the one company if they're if they're failing and another one is. Just find the one that works and let's get rid of some of these fucking Vada Wada Usadas <laughs> and just pick one for gosh sakes. I yeah, I, I just got I know and I, I see a lot of people saying, Hey, if you're clean, you got nothing to hide, do it. But dude, I understand that if you're clean, you got nothing to hide, do it, but you've got too much on the line, man. Your career, millions of dollars are on the line. Like why bring in one more variable? Uh, that somebody could screw up. So I honestly don't blame John Jones for not doing it. Uh, when we were leaving the PI, saw Henry Cejudo there. Talked to him briefly. He said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to cut the head off the snake. So he's he's feeling good. Um, I just uh, wanted to throw that out there because I had actually – I saw Joby when I was walking in too. Did you really? Saw him yeah, there. Joby and uh, Megan uh, Levy walking. Benny. Ben Levy. I forgot to oh, congratulate her on the ESPN. Yeah. They, I think they were probably there just for the whatever rehab or something. For the dog? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Doing dog but, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was, it was cool seeing them. But, yeah, uh, that's why he was wondering where our, our media day was because he was hoping that we'd shut the blinds because he was like, oh, you know, because he was thinking that there would be a conflict of us using the gym at oh, the same time that like he, was he was trying to train. I was like, no, nah, bro, they'll shut the blinds anyways or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's interesting. I just want to say, so Cejudo, um, after his last win over Demetrius Johnson, he spent a lot of time talking about Neuroforce, which is a sponsor of his. Um, but I've been told he spent a lot of time at the PI as well. So I know there are people that are keeping score of who's winning and who's losing when training at the PI. Uh, but I just want to throw that out there because seeing Henry there uh, reminded me that I'd heard he had done a lot of his camp at the PI the last time out. So looks like he's doing <laughs> a lot of his camp out there as well. Well, he looked really good on that last one. So yeah. uh, stick I, uh, with what works. Stick with what got you the belt. <laughs> I did. You know, it's funny. I talked to Joseph Benavides actually uh, earlier this week as well. I ran into him in Extreme Couture. 
and uh, kind of talked to him briefly about his whole situation. You know, he was booked for a fight, and then he wasn't booked for a fight, and then he was booked for a fight again. Uh, and I was just asking him, you know, kind of how that was. And, and you know what? I, I You know, it was kind of an off-record. Well, I don't want to say it was off-record conversation, but it was a casual conversation. So we'll have to see if, if he's willing to talk about it. And I'm sure he would be. Um, but he, you know, I've been talking about this a lot. He was the first one that kind of chimed in. Um, but he's the first one to say it's a unique situation. That spot where they ask you to be the backup fighter, I believe is the hardest position they can put anybody in. And, you know, it looked weird. And even amongst our, our staff at MMA Junkie, people were like, man, why are they doing this to Joseph Benavidez? They book him for a fight, then they're not. You're the backup. Now they book you for another fight. Um, and Joseph said straight up, he was like, dude, I would much rather have a fight on the card. He's like, I'm not asking for anything bad to happen. He's like, but dude, even if it's a, a chance at a potential title shot, he's like, just put me in a fight, man. He's like, at least I can prepare for a fight and I can be ready for a fight. Um, you know, being in that situation where, you know, you may fight, you may not, your check is going to be wildly different because they don't pay you your full show money. You know, they pay you a partial of your of your show money. Um, and his, I think, it would be even more different because um, we've never seen Dillashaw at 125. And, of course, <coughs> excuse me, Cejudo, Cejudo's had trouble making weight before. Now, I know he's done it lately, and that's obviously why he got himself into a title fight. Um, but I think for, for that position, it would be even different because, you know, we kind of knew that Usman was serving as a backup for Till, right? I and mean, we kind of right. knew that Moicano was serving as a backup for Holloway. Now, yes, if something happens to the other guy, you can slip in. But let's be honest. We know which guy you're preparing for. But Joseph would have been in a position where you're kind of serving as a backup for both guys. So in your camp, you're, you're having to prepare for two people plus the option that you might not fight at all. And he basically said, dude, listen, if you're going to have me as a backup, I don't care who you put me against. Just put me against somebody. And um, I don't know. He talked about that. And I, 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 he was the first person I've openly heard. And I guess kind of Kamaru did after last time when he was like, I'd never do that again. So I guess that's kind of an admission that that's a horrible position to be in. But this, this backup idea, it's a great business plan for the UFC. But I think they really need to talk to the athletes that are doing it a little bit more because – I think it's the shittiest situation you can possibly be in. Yeah, no one wants to, let alone the, just the weight cut. Most of these small guys don't. Well, Henry, for the longest time, Henry had some some weight issues, but I think he's got that dialed in. So I don't feel as bad for the small guys because they seem to be better right, in check easier. with like what some of the mid-sized guys. But yeah, man, having to go through that weight cut without really knowing for sure what you're going to get out of it, you know, besides you know your one paycheck. But what got me, like I still go back to the Usman one had a possibility of a title fight should one guy drop out. But then after that was gone, like, title fight talk was just gone. I was like, bro, you were going to put me up against the title thing. Well, Moicano's fighting Aldo now. Why? And I know he's was kind of an be there? emergency backup yeah. plan because he was supposed to fight. But, yeah, yeah. Now, now he's fighting Aldo. Yeah. I mean, it, it isn't the worst situation, I guess. But, I mean, that's a great fight for him and all that. But it still, is, it is a good fight. Why don't you get the title fight? Right. That's It's so right. Like, look, right. at least if there was the carrot of this, like, look – Look, we're not going to pay you your full show money, okay? If you don't fight, we're not paying you your full show money, okay? That just understand that. But right, you get next. That would be good if you were willing to put me in on that night. Yeah. Why can't you be willing to just put think me of in the on the stress. next night? I mean, because even just the fact of the stress of you know, well, one is getting the weight, but preparing for a title fight, all that extra stress, knowing that you're literally one foot away from the pinnacle of your career and then it's just gone and then you're like expected to go back to normal like thank you very much thank you for your hard work uh 
forget we mentioned it. Yeah. You know, like, ow, that sucks. That's, that's what they got to do. Like, if you say, Joseph, man, look, be there, show up. We don't have a fight for you, but if not, you're next. I, I, or at least a guaranteed contender match that, where the winner of that gets it. I hate the, the idea that it's not, but if you're promised the title, you're obviously at a level that they felt was good enough to fight the title. That's it. Why would you not be if, given If I was good enough one? on that night, why am I not good enough on the next night? night? It's, right. either, it's either that or give me my guaranteed show money. Give me my show money. you got to pay me my full show money. Right. And then and then put me against whoever you want next time. Because, dude, I did the camp. You Like you said, the stress of knowing you've got to do it. It's not like you can half-ass it and be like, well, I'm pretty sure they're going to be okay. So, you know what, man? I'm just going to kind of – I'm just going to kind of dog it in this camp a little bit. You know what I mean? No. You've got to essentially prepare for a world title fight, which that's where all it is. I mean, I don't – it's just it, – to me, it's an unfair situation unless you either A, guarantee them the title fight, or B, guarantee them their full show purse at least, and then it makes sense. So, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, we can talk more to Joseph about that um, ahead of the card. But I thought it was pretty interesting. So, uh it seems like our episode is uh, circling around the PI this week, but I guess that's what happens on a non uh, on a, on a non event week. But um, circling around the toilet bowl. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Believing in the product, I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, listen, we uh, we did have a, a chance to do an interview with the uh, the crew at the PI who have become uh, yeah. good friends of ours as of late. Um, with uh, <laughs> we, we, we've seen them quite a bit lately. Uh, with Mr. James Kimball, yeah, Mr. Duncan French, and Mr. Forrest Griffin. Yeah, I actually did. I will say uh, I had to I had to run by the corporate office uh, yesterday for uh, for uh, just a quick dart in to say hello to somebody. And um, it was funny. The security guard at the gate like didn't even stop me. He was just like, come on. He didn't yeah. even ask me what the hell I was there for. So uh, <laughs> that just goes to show you we're probably there too much. But uh, they're launching this thing called Trifecta Fight Prep. And, I'm, it, you know, I don't know how big of a story this is to the casual fan or the common fan, but we I, it's I not. think we have a I think we well, have a I'm, hardcore it, it's, audience. It's it's definitely more of a hardcore story because, you know, I think but when as you explain, I don't want to steal the steal the thunder, yeah. but yeah, I mean like the fact of the the day to day eatings of what a fighter eats during yeah. the fight week. Nobody cares. The casuals don't care about that. The hardcores might just because they're that into it. Right. And if you're listening to this, you're definitely hardcore. You I would probably think so. you probably want to hear it. But I would think that most people probably don't care. You know, I thought it was pretty darn interesting, you know, hearing what they were talking about. I thought it was a crazy step in the right direction. But it also, I could see where yeah, it set up a lot of, I don't want to say liabilities, but it, it does set up a lot of question marks as oh, well. I thought I it was very... That's what I want to get into. Know. So I want to play I want to play the audio of, of, of my conversation with the crew at the PI again. Uh, three voices. We, there is a video of it if you want to watch the video version. It's on MMA Junkie. But, uh, you know, I figure... You'll know who one is. We just yeah, need to explain who the two are. You'll know who for, well, you'll know who Forrest Griffin is by the voice. Uh, you the main talker the, is... The main talker is, is James Kimball. Kimball. And then the one with the accent is Duncan French. Yeah. There you go. No, that's not. We didn't have Duncan for the third one. Yeah, we did. Oh no, no, no! And that one. I, you know what? I was thinking of the other one. Yeah, no. This was uh, the dietitian. Clint, the dietitian. Clint. So yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So there you go. I, fo- I apologize. In my head, I was thinking of the ogre. Yep. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I know that's not Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Clint, Clint. Because I remember we, we had to look. We, were, we had to figure out what, but Clint. What been his a exact long title stay. was? Yeah. yeah, we had to look at his main one. But was he the original? Uh, the first. He didn't come on. At the very, he is the first dietitian. He's right. the, the head dietitian, but I don't think he was part of the first wave the of first hires. Wave I think of he stuff. was the second wave of hires okay. once they got everything open. That makes uh, sense. But yeah, so all right. So here's the conversation, and uh, yeah, and then and then I want to talk about it. Well, 
another big announcement today for the UFC. Yeah. Walk us through what's what's happening now. Yeah, so today we are announcing um, probably our biggest initiative to date, Trifecta Fight Prep, which is a program that we've developed in conjunction with Trifecta, which is the UFC's organic meal delivery partner, to provide meal planning and meal provision during fight week and fight camps for all UFC athletes. No, no hyperbole or exaggeration here. I think this is the biggest initiative and has the potential biggest impact for the community that we've done since we've been open for the past 18 months. Give me an idea why you believe that, because it, first of all, it's a huge undertaking. We'll understand the logistics later, but when you say, I think this is the biggest thing we've done, I mean, we're standing in a multi-million right. dollar facility, you're opening a huge you know, operation in China. Right. Why yeah. first do you think yeah. this is the biggest one? Well, look, I mean, we're, we're always constantly evaluating our service portfolio to identify potential needs and gaps for athletes in the community in which we can support them. Um, and I think that fight week obviously is the most critical point for an athlete. Um, there's obviously been a lot of attention around fight week, the weight management, weight descent, um, you know, scenarios that play out during fight week. And to this point, the UFC PI has not been providing services around fight week planning and meal prep to an athlete. Um, now we are entering into that service provision. Uh, and I think that it is somewhat of a fledgling marketplace in a sense that there are practitioners in the space um, who have been operating it and really just trying to identify ways in which they can benefit an athlete. And I think for us, we're taking a very different approach in terms of there's fight week fueling and, and, the, and the requirement to make weight. But more importantly though, there's, there's a requirement to fuel yourself properly during a fight camp, which ultimately leads into how successful you, successful you are during that fight week weight descent. So I think this is, is, is very unique and, and new for the company. So to add to what he said, when we were building the PI, we were identifying needs, kind of a needs assessment of the MMA community as a whole. I think the weakest lead was always nutrition. Uh, that was where we're the most behind. And you're talking about a weight class sport where you make weight 30 hours before competition. You're talking about a sport that, that has so many different energy system usages. And we really, as a, as a sport, as a community overall, weren't doing well at that. Let's outline the plan itself. What exactly is available? I mean, it's a, it's a big announcement, it's a huge initiative, but what exactly is available to the athletes? So the Trifecta Fight Prep program has a couple of different layers. First and, and most obvious is we will be working with a, uh, a performance chef uh, who has culinary nutrition experience uh, who will help us to provide fight week fueling needs. So anything from food, hydration, refeeding, and rehydration after weigh-ins, we're going to be providing 100% of the athlete's needs during fight week. What we'll be able to do is to engage our athletes, anybody on a, on a fight card that we're supporting, to engage them weeks ahead of time so that we can better understand their specific needs, their specific preparation, support them in their weight descent leading well ahead of fight week so we can support them to have a successful uh, essentially campaign to make weight, to refeed, to rehydrate, and to be really prepared for their competition. Uh, as I indicated, we're going to be trying to engage athletes as far ahead of time as possible so we can start to influence and better support them in their decision making around preparation and through their weight descent and their preparation for that fight week. So how exactly does that work? I mean, you're talking about athletes all over the country, all in lots of places. Yep. How do you get them the right stuff, make sure they have what they need? I mean, how does this work? 
so essentially when we outreach, when we get a fight scheduled for one of our, our fight cards that we're supporting, we'll outreach them, the individual athletes on the card, so up to 26 athletes will be inter interacting with and engaging around their planning and preparation for the eight to 10 weeks leading into the, through the fight camp to support their nutritional needs, to fuel, to train, recover, and to adapt optimally for their fight preparation. And then we'll take that into our fight week so that they're well-nourished, well-fueled, and have the resources on site for that camp. For those athletes that are really engaged and unable to necessarily meet the programming needs that we're, we're trying to, to uh, recommend and support them with, we do have Trifecta uh, Fight Camp Fueling uh, as a program that we're gonna support them athletes domestically in the United States only to start, uh, but we will be able to support uh, some of those athletes that are engaged and needing some additional support for the trifecta food system to support their training and, and, and recovery through the actual fight camp itself. Um, and, and to force earlier point around identifying nutrition as a real need and, and gap for athletes, we, we, we knew this before we opened doors here. We've been operational for 18 months. The reason why we've taken our time in developing this and rolling it out is so that we can resource accordingly um, and, and staff up accordingly. When we opened doors, we had one registered dietitian on staff, Clint. In a couple months here, we're going to have about half a dozen. The team here has grown. The team in Shanghai will support this program as well. So we'll have a half a dozen registered dietitians within our ecosystem. The team at Trifecta has dozens of culinary chefs available. So as we scale this, we can maintain quality, which is going to be most important. I mean, we've, we've rolled this out in a trial period. Um, several dozen athletes have participated for the past couple months. Uh, and I only see that number growing. So again, for us, it's paramount that as we scale this, we can maintain quality. And because of the resources we have here, again, because of Trifecta, significant resources and investment, we're able to do that. So essentially, the announcement's being made now, but you guys have already tested a little bit. It's not like you're just starting. Um, what's, what's the feedback? Right. Can you share the athletes that have been involved at all, or is that kind of behind the scenes? And what's, what's the feedback been like? <laughs> yeah, the, the feedback has been you know, uniformly very, very positive. Uh, the reason that we wanted to, to pilot this program is to better understand some of the, the, the needs, limitations. Uh, as an example, working through host hotels so that we can get our culinary staff, myself and our chef, into the kitchen and work through a lot of those details around shipping, around uh, meal preparation, et cetera. Um, so we, we definitely wanted to, to, to test that and to figure out some of those pinch points so that we can roll it out in a, in a much more professional and consistent way. Um, athletes that have been participating, so there's been a number of ways to, to involve. Athletes um, around fight week, uh, we've been essentially reaching out to athletes that we've had through our doors here that have been engaged with some programming previously. A, a, a very great case study in the fight camp system was Kamara Usman, who has engaged over the last eight to 10 weeks, has uh, you know, essentially been on the phone every week, uh, text a couple times a week as we problem solve, as we continue to, to optimize and, and to streamline what he's been doing. And, and he had obviously a, a really great performance. Um, I, I think he was more resilient through fight camp. It's not just the performance on the day of the fight, but a lot of the preparation period as well. So he was able to train harder, be more consistent, more resilient, and it was a, was a really, really great case study. And it's using nutrition is not only about making weight. Yes, that is a really, really important part. But somebody like Kumaro, who is on the rise in his division, we, he, he needs to be able to get the most out of his training camp so he can get better for this fight and continue to, to build and to grow as, as an athlete uh, through this period of his career. 
is there any concern at all? I mean, it sounds like a positive overall. I mean, right? I don't see how it could be complaints, but if a guy doesn't make weight or whatever, and you know, he was on this pro, I mean, is there any concern? Did you guys think about that? It was like, should we not be involved in this? Is this an aspect of our athletes, you know, lives or careers that we shouldn't get involved in? Look, of of course, there's a risk associated with that. But again, this this program is really something that Trifecta wanted to do. So we've been talking with them around this program for several months. And again, our perspective is that, you know, this program and the success is not necessarily binary in a sense of made weight, didn't make weight. How did you feel to Clint's point around your training sessions? Were you properly fueled? Were you maximizing your training sessions? That's how we view success. Making weight, of course, is the most important factor. Someone will miss weight, yep. right, using this program, using any program. That's inevitable in, in, in this community and the, and the current system that we have in place. Um, but for, for, for our point and, and our goal is to try to mitigate those, but also allow athletes to make the most of their training camps and, and fuel themselves properly and accordingly as professional athletes and not, and not um, you know, suffer through you know, a fight camp and where it's just about making weight. Now, a fight camp should be about skill acquisition or, or strategy or, or you know, it, it necessarily shouldn't should not be around just you know, losing 30 pounds, um, which again is, is kind of how we see it. There, there's a making weight part, but it's also the point of you know, making the most of your fight camp. I guess last thing for me, logistically, this is incredibly difficult. Obviously, it's a huge scale, but where, where can this go? I mean, we're starting out with the United States right now. Um, I, I think yeah. there's you know a goal to maybe you know hopefully have it yeah. broader somewhat. But realistically, right. where could this go? What is the ultimate end game for this? Yeah, I mean, so there, there are a couple layers to this program. Obviously, right there, there's the fight camp fueling which will allow athletes to receive meal planning and provision and support leading up to their fight. That will be available for U.S. athletes only initially with the intention to grow. The fight week fueling, which is probably going to be the more engaged service, will be available for all athletes competing on pay-per-view events and ESPN linear events going into 2019. So you're looking at 22 events out of 42 events, um, slightly more than half the events, again, with the intention to grow that. This is still somewhat of a trial period for us. We're going to roll this out on a larger scale and see where it goes. But the intention on our side and Trifecta's side is to really support the entire UFC roster. That's the intention. And if an athlete wants to be involved, they just reach out to you? Who do they, who do they speak with? That's it. Look, I mean, we, we have messaging going to the athletes around full details around how to engage in this program. Um, obviously, there's several dozens athletes already in the UFC PI ecosystem that have been participating in this, um, but we are making it very easy for athletes to engage in this program. There's communication on a weekly basis from ourselves to the UFC roster, um, fight card to fight card to fight card on how to engage in the service. So as we so expertly set up, you either didn't care about that at all, <laughs> we, we, are, we are fantastic at hyping our own product, or, <laughs> or you found it interesting. But I don't know, listen, because I, 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 this, this is another thing I've always found interesting about mixed martial arts as the sport has grown. No joke, man, the more time you spend around these athletes, you'll find that, um, that diet and nutrition is literally like the last step that anybody dials in, man. You know, right. and you think about these professional athletes building to a high level, and, and Forrest said it, you know, it's like, dude, as we were identifying needs, we realized nutrition is, is a big part of it. And I've always felt that way, that nutrition is literally like the last step. And maybe it's 
because of cost or um, you know difficulty or whatever. I mean, most of these guys don't have the money it takes um, to pay for a full time dietitian. And I, I'd heard that um, you know, like a basic, like a basic fight week setup of using like a George Lockhart or somebody like that um, is like fifteen hundred bucks. Um, and and this. There is going to be a cost involved, as I said. It's going to be a small cost. I've heard that the costs they're talking about are like literally like 50 bucks a month or something like that, you know? Uh, so it's, it's going to be nothing. They, they just, from what I understand, they kind of have to have a cost involved. This isn't, um, this isn't necessarily uh, like them trying to profit off the fighters, like, but they, they feel that there's a, uh, there's a need for, I, I'm guessing, legal reasons. I'm not really sure what it is. I'm guessing there's some kind of legal thing where they need to have a cost associated with it, but the plan is to make the cost incredibly low so that nobody even really notices it. And then, like, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even probably pay it. They would probably just take it out of your fight purse or something like that. Right. But I know right away when people hear cost, they're like, well, that's the UFC trying to make money off their trying fighters. To make money off their I fighters. don't think that's it. To be honest with you, I think it probably has something more to do along the lines of, of them being contract uh, – contract employees instead of salaried employees. Right. I'm, I don't know that for a fact, but that's honestly kind of my guess. But the cost is going to be minimal. But I think it's going to be great because, you know, as, as we see that, you know, diet is, is imperative to, to, to proper performance. And it seems like it's one of the last one, things that people dial in. Um, and, and I think that's cool. I mean, the fact that – I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty interested to go on a fight week and see how this thing kind of plays out where they're – providing all this, you know, meal prep and everything for everybody on fight week. But you said it going in. You said it going in, and we and we mentioned it there. I mean, people are going to miss weight, and people, people are going to and people are going to talk shit. So I'm I'm done, so I'm kind of almost surprised the UFC wanted to get involved in this because, as you said, it's not liability, but yeah, it's liability to some reason. It's it's going to be blame. It's or liability whatever. to the brand, everything. Yeah. I mean, like if you create a system, give something. Uh, and then fighters systematically still fail. People are just going to say, oh, well, you're no better than the people that you've been right. harping on or whatever. But right. luckily, I think with most of the stuff, the food's all prepackaged. It's all prepared. For the most part, they're just reheating right. a lot of the stuff, you know, because, you know, just imagine the first time somebody gets sick off of a fight. Say he eats one of these deals, and it's about time. Oh, it's going to be a moment where I oh, can see man. the more vindictive type. Imagine this. Conspiracy hat. Put your conspiracy hat on. All right. Somebody's not tin having – Tinfoil is on. Tinfoil is on. Not having a good fight week. Doesn't want to be there. Has an issue. Say I'm on the last fight of my contract. I'm pretty sure the UFC is going to cut me. I've been buying into the food stuff. <laughs> they right? poisoned stay, me? Stay they with poisoned me. me? Stay with me. And then I get sick. I can't, get, I can't do my fight. I can't do whatever. But now I got all that stuff from the UFC. Yeah. I want them to pay me. I want something. They're liable for how I messed up, or I didn't. I got sick. I, I I still fought. I fought. I lost my loss my contract. It's just it's opening them. I can see where somebody's going to game. Of, it's a can of worms. Somebody's right? going to game the I, system. I'm so interested because in I think it's a great thing. I mean, dude, I know it's stupid. It is, but sense. that's trusting that people are going to be good humans. Well, that's it. So, because we're I mean we're 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 here in Las Vegas. We're around a lot of fighters. We talk to them. You know, we're on the road a lot. And it is funny because when you talk to people about the PI, you know, they're right away you're like, hey, well, you know, what do you think? Because they'll come in town and they'll, dude, the PI is amazing. Like, dude, the technology they had there. It's amazing. But every single one of them says, and your food's already taken care of. You know, like, yeah. I don't have to jack with meal prep. I don't have to deal with any of that. You know, and it's, yeah. it's clean. I mean, that literally, as, as silly as it may sound to some people to be like, dude, this is a billion dollar organization. Why do the athletes care about food? 
they care about food. Like knowing that it's all finely done. tuned machines. <laughs> well, I mean, like, but that's the fuel. Why do they, they care? Like, care about it? Like literally, it's it's. I mean, if you were to let's say you were like buying prepared organic, like everything, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, what would it cost you? Thirty, forty bucks a day. So, like, the money they're that saving, <laughs> maybe more. I don't know. I don't know. The, the money that you obviously we don't eat. A yes, bunch of I would not know. Organic stuff, so we don't know, know what the I'm cost like, is. I go to B Dubs and I'm How like, are these, that stuff? are these is the that... organic wings? Is this the <laughs> grass fed? Is this the free stuff? range? Uh, the sauce wings? here was it made in a <laughs> kosher vessel? Is this a non-GMO? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, that is not us. But I got. I mean, listen. I guess what I'm saying is like financially. Now again, I did hear that like a normal fight week for a, for a regular dietitian, you know, like a Lockhart or something like that, could be like fifteen hundred bucks. Whereas if you want the guy like like living there, <laughs> Ask like Dolce, he say that's fifteen hundred dollars too much. <laughs> for Dolce's been stuff. going off on him, dude. Like, he's been going off on him on social non-stop. media nonstop. Like I I, I had to, uh, like for a while there, uh, I was just like, God, is is like Lockhart attacking him? Like, is there something personal going like, on? Like, because yeah, he's just. Just talking nonstop yeah, about Dolce's it, and I was just on. like, "Whoa, bro!" Like, I just saw Dolce. I was, I was listening to actually uh, Dolce on um, uh, Church of What's Happening Now. The Dolce, I moved to New Jersey. I didn't know he left Vegas. I did he really? Yeah, he's, he moved back to the East Coast, man. I so, did not know that. Uh, basically, just cited the fact that his his kids are getting uh, to an age where he just would rather have them like have access to the beach and have like a normal yeah. town versus Vegas. Or rather, have to pay an arm and a leg to get to a proper school. <laughs> like yeah, everybody here is like, here, "Oh, dude, you got to do private school, or your kids going to be dummies." Are bad. Well, good for him. But. Yeah, but anyway, all that. So I say all this. What I'm telling you is, to, I know for a fact that fighters will appreciate this, and and uh, you know they'll they'll send you food your whole fight camp, which is awesome. Fight week. There's actually gonna be chefs on site preparing your meals and delivering it to your room every day. Fighters will appreciate this because it will save them money and it will save them time. And and so it's going to be a good thing, and I love it. It's a positive program. Yeah. So I, I love the concept, but I. I feel like, yeah, I'm a little surprised the USC want to do this because I feel like it opens a lot of doors for problems. Yeah, a lot of problems. And that whole, it's funny, we'll deliver it to your door. That shit's going to get old really quick. They're going to be like, here's your pickup times. Meet me down. Because <laughs> especially if, say, say there's 24 fighters right. on the card, say 12 to 15 of them, you know, the amount of one cook is not going to do it. No, you know, no, like no, no, you're no. going to need multiple staff yep. that's doing it, let alone handling the packaging, the logistics of calling somebody like, hey, all right, let's set up the distribution, whatever. That's a that's a decent size operation. Well, and look, it's a big take. undertaking. I mean, we were talking yeah. to him kind of after this was over and we were because we were figuring this information out. I mean, you were shooting it, obviously. I was asking the, the, the questions, but. We didn't have a lot of information. We were basically figuring it out as we go, but we talked to him a little bit more afterwards. I mean, like, dude, that's the chef. Because a lot of these guys, you know, they figure out. I know Dolce, for instance, man, he used to brag about the fact that, like, dude, he could do everything that you need with, like, an iron and a – you know what I mean? Like, he would bring, like, a little electric skill, but everything that he brought was just, you know, like anything that you could pack into a bag and a suitcase and take with you. They're saying for this, because as you said, you know, he's serving, like, one or two clients. They may be serving 24. The chef has got to have access to like the 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 kitchen at the host the hotel hotels. Kitchen. Like I mean, that's just, just getting that done and having yeah. that access. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I almost feel bad that I'm talking bad about this program because I'm not talking bad about this program. I think it's a great program. It's a great idea. But it's, it's just scary to me, man. Yeah. And I and I'm sure I'm not bringing up anything that these guys haven't thought of. Right. But it just seems scary to me, man. Yeah, it it's, it sets up a lot of a lot of questions that, and I'm still. With my tin hat on, I haven't taken it off. <laughs> Somebody's going to use it to their advantage, and it's going to bring the whole thing down. Right. You know, because I think if everybody goes in like, hey, this is a great idea, I'm going to eat my food. But then they're like, 
if they're having a bad day and they're pissed off, or if they do legit get sick, there might be people that legit get sick from yeah. this. Who's to blame? This is the well, UFC's right. organization, uh, this partnership. They set it up. Fuck both of you. Well, there was you know? just some big outbreak uh, with romaine lettuce, right? Right. So, I mean, what if it's not even like, no, dude, we handled everything properly. Right. Like, we kept everything at the proper temperatures. We made sure there was no cross-contamination. Right. We, what if you know, you're in the middle of nowhere and they can't source out the, the ingredients that they need to have a whole full meal thing? You know, like, they're expecting that they'll be able to go into whatever place, like you said, find a kitchen that they can, in a sense, take over right. to do this. Because, I mean, if they if it's preparing the meals for breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, right. whether that one person, all the meals that you're going to need to make for that one person, if you only have one particular stove or only, like, access to a couple stoves, it's gonna that's going to take the whole day or whatever for this guy to run through. And then if they're only dealing with what produce is in the area, you know, they'll probably eventually get the logistics down of, all right, sure. we're just going to have to start shipping it, source it from elsewhere, ship all the whatevers so they know what they have instead of, okay, well, we'll see what we can get in the area because that doesn't seem like that's going to work because you're going to get in the middle of nowhere. No, and I mean, I, and I think nothing. trifecta is probably, I mean, I don't know. I, I, that, that wasn't clear to me. Are they shipping all the food from California? Where I don't know. Based? I thought I was getting the impression that the the chef would look to see what was available and would come up with a it's recipe. Kind of what I thought thing. too. Like trifecta will handle all the the whole fight camp, but on fight week it'll be sourced locally. Like right. they're not going to ship everything with. Like, I mean, yeah. Why would you bring like a fucking case of bell peppers or something when you could just go buy some bell peppers? Right. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's tough. It was almost like they'd have to hook up with like a catering company, a local catering company, and be like, hey, can we rent some space? And what do you have on hand? You know, or something. I don't know. It's interesting, but I agree with you. It is It is a great idea that they're actually trying to look at and try to create a method. Um, I mean, you're saving the fighters money, and you're saving the fighters time. Yeah. And I'm sure the UFC goal, as with everything around this, is – prolonging careers and getting a better product in the cage. That's the whole thing. Yeah. The, the better athletes we produce, the better – and if we can assist in creating better athletes, then yeah. that means the product in our cage will be better, and that means you know more people will tune So, I mean, yeah. their goal, of course, is, is to create a better athlete. And, again, the side benefit of us, you will save time because, you know, you, you see people on Instagram like – Food prep done for the week, you know, and they, yep. you know, they, so now they won't have to do that anymore. Money again, you're not talking about thousands. Of, well, maybe you are talking about if, over the course of a fight camp. Yeah, you're talking about a couple yeah, thousand dollars. Weeks, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're talking about a couple thousand. Dollars. So you know, not get rich money, but yeah. you know, good good money that yeah. you could put back in your pocket. I mean, it's, again, everything about this is positive. Yeah, it just seems like it's a headache for the UFC yeah. that I'm surprised they want to get into. Makes sense. It would be nice to see. Fighters going into fight camp, knowing that if they stick to this program, they'll for some they'll be within a, a healthy range of where they need to be. Will it be maybe the end all be all? No, maybe some realize that they need to tweak it, or they're like, yeah, for the most part, I was on the meal plan, but I, I still found my few things off that I I kind of indulged that my body wanted that they couldn't give or right. whatever. But at least like it's it's setting plug. up, yeah, right. <laughs> AJ AJ McKee loves his <laughs> Snickers after a fight, though. Uh, but only after a fight. That's what brings only the monster out. But uh, it's at least know- nice knowing that they're eating something. You know, it's kind of like when, you know, the, there's that weight loss, the Nutrisystem. It's like, we're going to send you this meal thing. We know how many calories are in this. So if they eat these things, we know that they're only taking an X amount of calories a day that should be giving a healthy weight cut for this particular right. person, you know. So at least we know instead of somebody's like, all right, hey, I know – fight week I can push myself and I can drop 25 pounds mm-hmm. you know where they're like how about instead you take this for eight weeks out drop the 25 pounds over 
you know, the the good six or seven weeks, and then fight week, you come in at a reasonable rate, you know, and maybe you only have 10 pounds. That's right. Did you, you know, see, something. Did you see the buzzword, by the way? I, that was one thing I took out of this conversation as well, because I think it was the first time I'd ever heard it, um, the term weight descent. Yes, weight descent. Not weight cut. As soon as I heard weight it, descent. I was just like, I'm pretty oh. sure this was the first week. But, you know, I mean, they've they've done some fantastic uh, – terminology rebranding in the past like and i know you were probably there when this became a big uh thing and i don't know if they talked to the you most about it politically correct way of saying athletes <laughs> athletes not fighters like they don't use the term fighters they they don't i mean probably, uh, probably dana does in conversation or whatever but like if it's a if it's corporate messaging it, it's the athletes not yeah. the fighters i think that's actually i think that's actually good when you're talking yeah. about you know uh, appealing to a broad audience i was gonna say and, and especially if, the, if they're using these athletes as a testing thing to eventually right. maybe go to another organization another sport right. makes sense that you start your branding right from the get-go right. so people don't initially say oh that's that that thing that works with the food for the fighters right that's the fighter yeah. food program but i mean this know? has been for years that they've been using that yeah it's called math but I, I and i thought that was good because again it, yeah. you're trying to get mainstream acceptance if you're trying to get mainstream acceptance calling them fighters it's, there's a little bit of a kind of you know a little kind of tasty with that you know so yeah. let's use uh but yeah so pay attention to that moving forward because weight descent, weight descent is now the is now the buzzword yeah let's as say, soon as i heard that when we were cut. taping i just i kind of giggled i was like wow <laughs> that's a first never heard that one i, that, I picked up on that so one i have too. to ask the next this this fight week how's, how's, how's your weight, weight how's going? the weight descent going <laughs> Just to see what the reaction. Just to see if anybody we should goes, do a mashup of just that. About? How's the weight descent? And just get the reactions like, of the face, <laughs> and just mash them all hey, together. I mean, listen, kudos to them for doing. It. I like it. You know, you're trying to take the negative terms out of there, but uh, I thought that was a good one. So. Yeah, that's funny. All right. Well, listen. Uh, you know, I mean, you basically called out our episode for being horrible. We we admitted it doesn't. This was casual the fans. honey pepper episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, never off. We'll never get that deal. Actually, it was it was. We we said we were gonna try it again, but I don't want to try it again. <laughs> Can I say that I tried it again? Yeah. How even was that, it? Even at, oh my mm, god, that was so the second good. Second time around, it was much Nimaroff, better. Nimaroff, I was so wrong when I first said that I didn't like the honey pepper. It in fact is my new flavor of choice. I think I'm gonna make some honey pepper Nimaroff ribs later on when I get home. <laughs> I don't think they meant it to be a mar- marinade, bro. Well, that's I'm just taking it place they never just, thought it would they, go. They could do it. All right, well, listen, my wife has made it home from working, so I, I no longer have to do the uh, hardcore, you know, child. I don't – my kid ran in here and grabbed something out of the kitchen at one point. I don't know what it was. It was a snack. Hopefully it wasn't a knife. No. I better go check. Thanks for listening.